0: What up, what up, party people? This is Ian Lenhart, AKA Len Jones, coming at you from Miami, Florida on a beautiful Friday to let you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And we have such an exciting show coming up today, but before we jump into it, we have an absolutely huge announcement And that is relative to the name of this podcast. Hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, it is already updated. But we are officially, after 115 episodes, shifting the brand and the name of Len Jones Party of Two to the Damn Good Day Show. Now, if you follow me, you understand that's the motto. That's the way I live my life every day, making it the best day possible, optimizing my life, my friends, my health the people I surround myself with and understanding what makes them have a great day and understanding how they built businesses and companies and how conservationists are saving the world and how marketers are doing what they do and really how are they trying to be happy like what are they doing that's successful and not what got them into the position they're in today all of these topics we're going to go deep and explore and it's just going to be epic first off A lot of people don't even know how I got the name Len Jones. Okay, Len Jones. I actually recently got a license plate that says Len Jones in the back of the car, so you know it's legit. And the story is not that epic, but it's kind of epic. I had a good friend, Al Stapera, shout out. He actually passed away at a really young age, but prior to all of that happening, Al at one time at a party, just straight up looked at me. He was one of the funniest guys you could ever know. He He was amazing. And he looked at me and he straight up goes, Len Jones. And I was just like, oh my God, that's me. Len Jones is like the 50 Cent to my Curtis Jackson. It's an alter ego. I love it to this day. It makes me smile. It makes me laugh. And I think there's a lot of interest in the idea of naming yourself, right? You were born into a name that a parent, you know, your parents gave you, right? But very rarely do you get to kind of give yourself your own name. Some people have nicknames, right? It's really empowering to have a nickname. So Len Jones, that's like the alter ego, the Jones. And party of two. Ooh, I love that name, Party of Two. We, we definitely are going to have more than just two people on the show. And Len Jones, Party of Two will always be in my heart. And I'm sure the whole SEO deal with shifting the podcast is going to be a nightmare. I don't, I don't really know if it's going to work out completely well. But I think we've done everything fantastic and everything right. So the damn good day show is starting right now, picking up where we left off with the Jones Party of Two podcast. And let's jump into it. So a lot of people know I had a surgery. I had a tumor removed off of my femur. So I had a peripheral sheath nerve tumor that was growing on and around the sciatic nerve of my leg, right in my femur for over a year and a half that we could never figure out. And it was kind of a nightmare. I had seven different MRIs until we finally found the source of the issue. And then finally, thankfully they found it. I had the surgery to remove it. Obviously the doctors said, take it easy, right? But it w- I definitely you know, tried my best to take it easy. But also, at the same time, I was trying to get back into the gym and I probably went back to the gym a little too fast. I let the ego hit me. I was putting up baby weight. I started squatting again, maybe before I could. And I definitely kind of just like hurt myself, installed my healing process. So I needed a solution. I needed to find somebody to coach me because the physical therapist really didn't help that the doctors kind of prescribed. It was more so like go if you want, but it wasn't really like a plan. So I find this dude, Dr. Benjamin Torres, on instagram because i see that he's got like you know 100k followers he's posting all this good content i'm like all right clearly this dude knows what he's talking about and he's a at-home rehab professional meaning that he coaches people on how to do things like repair their acls In my condition you know gain lumbar mobility i also have bulging discs in my back How to eliminate back pain. The back pain got excruciating. So I reached out to him and been working with him for quite some time now, about three months. That's a a decently long time. And I'm out here, man. I mean, with his help combined with my amazing chiropractor, Dr. Josh Levine, who he's going to be on the podcast in a few episodes. Uh, I'm back. I'm back better than ever. My core is I'm 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 ripped. I feel fantastic. I'm going back to the gym. I hit up uh the cycling today. I did a little soul cycle action. I was so weak. I was dying. Absolutely dying. Like right off the bat. It, it was bad. I, I can't believe my legs are just like jello, like I got no stamina, but That's going to change real soon, but I'm back. And actually this week was the first time I was able to just do like a barbell squat again, and it felt amazing. So I brought him onto the show to walk through the most common mistakes people make in their everyday life that lead to actually back problems and different problems. We talk about the healthcare system, the good, the bad, and the super ugly. We talk about navigating, you know, finding care avoiding spending a ton of money on things that you don't need to and generally just all the questions that i had when i went through my process so i know if you know somebody that's in pain with back pain with muscle pain, whether it's with Ben or with somebody else, I know this episode is going to lead you to help, you know, heal yourself. It's going to help you hopefully find some pain. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, but we're always trying to find amazing people that is like Dr. Benjamin Torres. Here we go. Episode 116 of the Damn Good Day Show It's coming in hot. I love this. I'm so excited. Let's jump into it. We're live. Ben Torres is in the building. What up, Ben? How you doing, my brother?
1: Dude, fantastic. Really glad to be on here, man. Uh, I'm I'm pumped. I'm glad we're doing this.
0: It's exciting. Uh, First off, we connected a long time ago via Vima. Um, We didn't really know each other, right? But we were in this circle of people that all got stoked on energy drinks and went (laughs) sad on it. And it created this (laughs) unbelievable network of entrepreneurs and people that Know, we're bettering their life and being about health and wellness and fitness and all this stuff. So it's really cool to see that come full circle.
1: I know, man. The amount of people I was able to connect with and now reconnect with and see like their entrepreneurial past, their success that like so awesome, man. That was uh, a brilliant experience we got to have.
0: Brilliant. And what's really great about this podcast, and I'm really excited for everyone tuning in, is that you personally. So I reached out to you. I, I don't know if it like, I I followed you on Instagram. You followed me or something or mutual friend. Someone introduced us, I think. And, you know, basically you just had like kind of Insta swag and you were creating these videos where you were showing people uh, all these different stretches and exercises and you were creating this brand around being somebody that's like a go-to for physical therapy and to, you know, better feel better about your body and all this stuff. So meanwhile, I was going through still am but not as much nearly as because of you and, and a few others um a little nightmare situation of myself with you know having the tumor removed from my leg and um you know all the sciatic Dude, issues that happen this you know the back issues spinal degeneration very common um but not good right uh, and, yeah. uh so i reached out to you just like after you know i must have spoken to four or five different practitioners before then done coaching all that never had good success. So I reached out to you a bit skeptical, but at the same time willing to learn open minded. And I've been on your program now for 12 weeks coming up on 12 weeks. And you combined with my new chiropractor, I'm freaking smashing weights. I am getting flexibility. I finally built up my core I feel good. Um, And I'm grateful for you. So I just wanted to pull that out as you know, you're the legit real testimonial, you're the real deal. And I'm excited to dive into this.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing you post about your injury before we were working together. And I remember reading it and being like, man, like whew, that's tough. Like he's got a lot going on. And like in my head, I was like, oh, I'd love to help him out, you know, but I did not actually directly reach out to you at that time. And now then like later you ended up reaching out, somebody introduced me, I forget how we ended up meeting. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, and I'm really, really glad that we got linked up and, and to see where you're at now. It's like, amazing, man. You're crushing it. So props goes to you. You put in a lot of work.
0: So let's back up a little bit. How did you end up into this space specifically doing these? You know, there's a lot of people that do like online coaching and training, but more so I feel like it's on like the weightlifting type of sector. And I feel like yours is a very unique thing because you're kind of doing the physical therapy. Yeah. Tell me about like the journey into beginning um, to start doing like online clients and all this stuff.
1: It is like a very unique space. You know, I always tell people like I think I'm the first guy that ever did it. You know, you'll find a couple that are online now, but like three years ago, like nobody was an online physical therapist. You know, I was kind of like the only guy, um, and I didn't even really know what I was doing at first. Uh, all I knew is I didn't want to do what I was currently doing. I was a clinic manager for an orthopedic facility, for an outpatient orthopedic focus facility, it's basically. I saw a ton of patients, like I would have two or 300 patients in my caseload, um, plus managing the actual facility, actually two or three. So it was like chaos for me to be able to go through a regular day. I had zero connections, to my clients to my patients. Um, and so I, was, I knew I just wanted to get away from that. So I started to set goals and hired a business coach to try to teach me how to like get away from it wasn't even more of like a life coach, but how to get away from what I was currently doing and have like the guts to be like, no, I'm going to quit this job despite going through eight years of doctoral schooling to get it, you know, uh, it was more of like a guts thing. And then after I quit, I went cash-based in-person and virtual because I needed like two sources of income to be able to manage. I had like $0 coming in when I quit. So I was like, whatever I can get to make this happen. Um, and... As I started to progress through that, the virtual was so unique. And I was able to reach so many more people from so many different backgrounds. I was like, this is the way to go. And I started to find that that was my passion as well. And now that's, you know, 100% of what I do is the online virtual game.
0: So when you're seeing like all these people come into this clinic, what are some of the most common reoccurring things that you see that almost just like frustrate you because you're seeing them so often in society?
1: First one's back pain, lumbar back pain, man. Low back pain is rampant, about 90%, upwards of 90% of individuals experience back pain on a regular basis. Um, That's crazy, adults, but still, that's a crazy stat to think about. And the amount of people that I saw with back pain that were given all the wrong directions was just insane to me. Like individuals that were doing absolutely not the right things. Doctors would just prescribe them with medications, you know, fill them up with painkillers and they'd never even try out a conservative technique, you know, it'd be like, oh my gosh. So that's definitely the number one diagnosis I saw when I was in the clinic, but rotator cuff tears, hip arthritis, knee arthritis, ACL tears. I saw a dozen of those every week, Um, but low back pain is probably number one by far. Uh, And that was another reason why I wanted to get online is because I wanted to see, more of the athletic population. I didn't want to see the 65-year-old with a hip replacement. I didn't like that. It didn't excite me, you know? I wanted to see the individual that has a hip labrum tear who's 28 and wants to get back to squatting 350. That's the guy I wanted to see before he has to deal with that trouble. I want to treat him so he doesn't have to. So uh, that was kind of the niche that I was in when I was in the clinic. He Hated it. Hated it. H- hated it. <laughs> so really glad that I'm in I'm in now and gets kind of pick and choose who I work with way better.
0: So the big deal with the lower back pain that you're seeing is that people just come in, they go to their doctors and the doctor prescribes the medications and they think they're doing the right thing yeah. because we've been told our whole life, go to the doctors. They get some yeah. the medication, gabapentin, or maybe something else and say, yeah. get on with it. And then uh, one thing that I've always found a little bit shocking and not shocking, but the amount of people that have chronic pain and just try and do nothing about it you know? Yep. Dude, the
1: amount of people that came to the clinic and would say to me, yeah, I've had this back pain for eight years. I've had this back pain for 10 years. And I'd be like, all right, so what have you tried so far? And they'd be like, well, nothing. The doctor gave me some medication has been taking that for like three years, hasn't helped. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so you essentially went to one option, the worst option. It didn't work. You stuck with it for years. And now here you're sitting in front of me. And then they want me to fix it in like a day, you know. <laughs> it's like, Whoa, how is this even adding up in your brain? So yeah, that is drives me absolutely nuts. And the fact that our first go to in our healthcare system is try this magic pill, try this pharmaceutical that is what I call a band aid on a bullet wound, right? we're not actually treating any under underlying root cause. We're not at all. We're just saying, Hmm, how quickly can I mask this symptom to make this person feel better?
0: <laughs> and that's what we described first. Why do you Second, think that? Why do you think that even is like, why do you think people like, wouldn't you assume that if somebody's still having pain, they go to the doctor that they might question it. Do you think it's just more of like a, a systematic thing where if the doctor yeah. says it must be true? Exactly. It's the system. So like
1: physicians, PTs, whoever, healthcare practitioners in general, they're not the bad guys. It's the system that creates that to be so. You know, when you go through schooling, I had three pharmacology classes. I had zero classes on nutrition. Think about that. Your average physician has... Way more than three classes on pharmacology, you might have a weekend course on nutrition, right? So it's naturally built into the system that that is the route that you go. And then you mentor underneath someone, and whoever you mentor underneath, you start to grab onto what they commonly do. Um, and you get into these habits. The other difficulty is our system has so many people to treat and such a limited amount of healthcare practitioners that we're, every single one of them are overworked. I don't care if it's a nurse. SLP, OT, PT, DPT, whoever, they're overworked. And so for them to then go outside of the time they're working and say, hmm, let me find some new research and these new real methods of how to treat and help people. It's after like 12 hour days of work, they got to go do that. Not a lot of people are going to do that.
0: That's so, (laughs) that that is so interesting because it's like, sorry to cut you off because like just recently, like I I am still figuring out all my gut issues and and figuring out like how to heal that stuff and all that. And, you know, sometimes I call my dad up because he's like my number one support, you know, system. In this, and I'll just call dad. him. I'll just be bitching. I'll be like, bro, this sucks. Like, I can't I'm like, you know, everything's like shitty. Like, and he's just I'm just venting. Yep. Right. And and he goes, go see a gastro. Go see a new gastro. I'm like, bro, I've <laughs> already seen gastros my whole life. Nothing's changed. He's like, we'll go see another gastro. I don't want to hear this <laughs> shit unless you go see another gastro. And I'm like, all right, fine. So, like, anyways, I go and schedule another gastro. I'm like, hey dad, good thing I got the appointment. He goes, Great, when is it? I'm like, three months, you know. Yep. And that's a yep. system. They're so laid in down, they're so backed up. It's like, that's crazy to get back into a doctor's appointment three months later. If you actually had a serious issue, you could be like seriously, critically more injured in three months, you know? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And it's that way across the board. Neurologists, orthopedics, gastroenterologists, cardiologists, whatever. Oncology is the only one that I'd say you get a little faster because of the nature of cancer. But the majority of these people, it's like, oh yeah, no problem, we'll see, absolutely. We understand that the importance of this. Yeah, we've got an appointment time in about 70 days. (laughs) It's like, what? And and then, you know, if we think about how you actually wanna fix our healthcare system, you need to get more preventative medicine versus post-injury or post-disease, which is what we're doing now. So after somebody already finds out that they're injured, they got to wait another month or two just to initiate what could be a possible treatment that maybe helps, you know, it's the opposite of finding preventative health and preventative medicine, which is trying to nip it in the butt. You know, it, it's a mess. I'm not saying I have the right fix or anything like that, but right now it's a mess.
0: Right. The preventative health concept is huge. So how do you, you know, like, how do you get yourself in a position where you don't find yourself in that position? How do you nip it in the butt beforehand? I remember um, when I had the tumor in my leg before they knew I had a tumor in my leg, I had this crazy sciatic pain. I definitely had pretty crappy posture. You know, I just, my whole life, I kind of did the whole slump thing and, you know, something as simple as that, you know, you don't know it's an issue until it's an issue and you won't make a change until something bad happens. And that's, Yeah, kind of how humans work, because I tell people, because I've done like some pretty gnarly gut diets, right? Like elemental diets, pretty gnarly doing two weeks of drinking the same, you know, juice every single day. (laughs) But I tell people, people always say like, how could you do that, bro? And I like, and I understand where they're coming from. Like, who would do that? Like, what the hell? And I say, the only way you would ever do this is if you literally have no other choice, right? Yep. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, I'm just talking about changing your gut health, right? Like if you're just feeling a little crappy and you know, you're you not yes. having good exercise, you're just gonna keep drinking, you're gonna keep cruising, you're gonna fry dough. Why wouldn't yes. you? But until your yes. body literally shuts down and says, I've had enough, you can't move on, you probably won't change. And that's an issue. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yes. You know what the craziest thing about it is? Oh, that's patient perspective, healthcare practitioner perspective, they're literally not allowed to treat you for preventative medicine. Insurance does not pay for it. So if you are that person who's coming to a practitioner and says, "I, you know, I think I might have something going on that could affect me later on." They can't treat you from an insurance standpoint. Like if I got you gave me a script and you said, "Man, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some issues in my leg. I think it might become a big deal in a couple of months." And I give you a screening and you look pretty functional and I send that into insurance, they're going to say, "Um, no. He doesn't have enough wrong with him. You're not allowed to treat him, or at least we're not going to pay you for it. So it's like the the individual is at such a challenging position because not only do you have to be ambitious enough to say, yeah, I'm going to try an elemental diet because I'm a crazy dad, But also, I have these issues that I know I have to deal with before they become a big deal, and i got to pay out of pocket to fix it because my insurance won't cover it.
0: And that's the pay out of pocket part. Yeah, that's the hardest part too, because it's, you know, if you do have insurance, you are able to at least nip some of the costs, right? I have yeah. a six or $7,000 deductible because I have one of the like the gold PPO plans. I mean, I like PPO over HMO because I can pick and choose the doctors I go to, but you pay for sure. it, right? Um, yeah. Definitely. But, you know, you have to hit that 6,000 deductible. But after that, you know, it's it's at least somewhat more of a breeze, more realistic. But yeah. in and, uh, the alternative medicine space, it's tough because technically what you are is an alternative medicine, right? You're not doing the Absolutely. gut, but you're hundred percent alternative medicine. It's tough because you meet somebody, you have to do your background research on them. They don't have a doctor thing in front of them or whatever. And right. then they ask for, you know, two, 300, 400 bucks an hour. And you think yep. to yourself, WTF? This has to be, be, you know, bullshit. There's no way that I'd be paying this person this much money. That's what happens in your mind. And then low key, if you actually knew what these doctors were paying before, you know, uh, insurance comes in and pays for it, it's way more than that, you know? Yes. So it's crazy. So finding, a and, and that's where the frustration loop comes in so hard for people that can't have answers to their issues, both physical therapy and gut issues is they're just pissed off. They spent so much money. They eventually bit the bullet and tried a naturopath and it didn't work for them. And they just gave up at that point. And I feel like that's the point where you need to just drill down. The only way that you ever will heal yourself, heal your gut, heal your body that I've seen is if you take control and decide that you're going to become your own expert, right? Right. You could give me the exercises. You can show me what to do. But if I don't go to the gym and do those exercises, I'm not going to make progress. It's that simple. So well said, man. And most people just won't do the exercises because maybe they don't need to. Maybe they haven't been through enough pain. It hasn't been drilled into their brain enough. Uh, And then they have more issues down the line. So I'm really grateful having met you because it's for the first time in my life, I've actually stopped and said, hey, am I doing this exercise truly? The right way even like the Potential. runner's lunch the runner's lunch i've been doing that the wrong way my whole life and then you're like bro that's not how you do it and i'm like well, <laughs> damn you know
1: yeah, yeah yeah absolutely man you you have to actually have autonomy over what you're doing you take pride over your body and say i'm going to figure this out to make this happen otherwise it's it's not going to happen and and most people don't most people aren't going to be willing to go above and beyond but Most people probably won't be listening to something like this unless they are that individual who's willing to go above and beyond. And now they're just looking for the resources to be able to actually achieve that, you know? But you're 100% right. You literally have to grab ownership over that and say, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to find the resources. I'm going to find the tools. I'm going to get it done. And that's hard. It takes time, effort, and money, you know? And the average person isn't willing to do that. And the system's not set up for it. The system, you go to the doc and he says, just take this. Just take this. You'll be all right, you know? That's so hard to say no to. No, no, no. I don't want your quick solution that's going to mask my symptoms. I'm going to spend my other time, money, effort, figure this out on my own. (laughs) That's hard. It's hard to say yes to The truth is is that that path is the right path. The challenging path is the correct
0: path to go on. The one that you went through, that you're going through. I I remember when I went to the neurologist, they gave me gabapentin. And I'm, I'm like... I'm in so much pain. I'm sitting at home. I'm like crying, trying to sleep. Like I can't sleep. I have issues with my eyes, my gut, all this stuff. Everything's better now. But back then I just, I remember looking at the Gabapentin just so pissed off. Like I knew this wasn't going to help. You're telling me I have to take this. I'm sleeping on the floor thinking that sleeping on the floor is thinking I went through three very good mattresses just because I kept thinking it might be the mattress, Um, right? It wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> um, but the point is, is that you don't want to take those pharmaceuticals because you know, it's a cop out, you know, taking Tylenol and taking Motrin is a cop out. And now more and more we're finding as we explore the microbiome, all of these antibiotics, all of these different, you know, over the counters are hindering our gut. They're killing it's and it's destroying you from inside out destroying us and it's 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 a scary thing it's a scary reality so just to take a step back building your business so you're one of the yeah. few people though that has successfully been able to create an existence right and and build a business online training people from the comfort of your home uh, yeah. that's amazing tell us about yeah. some of the struggles that after you started getting your first few clients how are you getting clients and uh, what was kind of that like inflection point where you felt like, okay, like I got this?
1: Yeah, when I got started, I, I got my ass kicked. You know, uh, when I left the clinic, I was thinking to myself, like, I got this. I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. I'm gonna be cash based. I'm gonna rock this. Mm-mm. I got rocked. When I first left the clinic, I had an online mobility program. And I was like, I'm gonna sell this. And then I'm going to see some people for cash that are going to come to me. I know I'm going to find these leads and it's going to be like that. And I remember I sold that first program. I sold like 11 people on it the first week. I made like, whatever, a couple thousand dollars. And I was like, I'm the man. I got this. Entrepreneurship is easy. After that went through, two weeks later, I was like, yeah, I don't have any other income coming in now. And uh, the program takes two months. Um, What do I do now? And I was like, shoot, I got to figure this out. And so immediately, that's when I really got super, super serious about my social media to the point where I was nonstop on it. And I was networking in person too. Just like most entrepreneurs, when I was thinking about referrals, I went friends, family, colleagues, right? That's where I went to first. And I said, I'll give you free anything you need. You want a free evaluation? You want a free session with me? I'll come to you, provide that value initially to be able to create a good relationship, show the fact that you have a skill set then the person's going to be willing to tell you about their buddy. So that's where I went to when, when I was like doing my cash based work where I would like go to somebody's house and do Sometimes I was driving 30, 40, 50 minutes to go give somebody a free 30, 40 minute session just to build that relationship and then come back and do it again for a one set charge. that was worth like nothing to me, you know, like what's the 70 bucks. It took me like hours just to be able to do this just to build a relationship and say, Hey, did you have a good experience and are you getting better? Can I help anybody else that you might know? And that's where the cash-based end kind of things started and, and, and started to branch from. Um, you know, I just get a ton of value first and the social media started to work, but I was working it
0: morning, afternoon, night. And by social media, you're, you're posting, like, tell us more about that. Like, what's your strategy there? Yes,
1: yes, yes. yes. So it was a system. Like, it, it, to me, social media is a game. Like it's a game and a system that you can play to create and cultivate a following. After you started to cultivate that following, now it's like your real audience that are actually like individuals that are inside your community that you gotta give back to and feed and, and, and help. But in order to get going, it's like a game. You gotta create this following. Otherwise, people don't see you as legitimate. So Every single day, I was writing down in the morning what my posts were going to be, what I was going to share. Sundays, I would write down a list of ideas of 20 different pieces of content. I would set specific days that I'd block an hour of my schedule and just shoot a ton of content, whether it was hip pain videos, shoulder pain videos, rotator cuff, ACL, spinal issues, anything that I could think about that my ideal population, the group of people that I would like to help could be dealing with. And I would share that content nonstop. The other thing I was doing, I was getting in the niches. I would hashtag back pain. Everybody that was on that hashtag was getting some comment, like DM something for me, man. I didn't care if it was two in the morning. I'd be like, hmm, rotator cuff tear. Let's see who's on this right now. Bam, 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 bam. And I was in the trenches of social media for months and months and months till I even got a few thousand more followers. And, And then it started to, you know, like snowball and grow on its own.
0: Got it. So using, utilizing hashtags. And it's interesting that when you go to a profile instantly, you can tell if that person's legit or not. So when I went to your profile, I'm seeing all of these just pages and pages of these exercise. And I'm not even looking at like likes and all that. I'm just looking at the branding. I'm looking at the, and what that signals to me is that you're not a doctor, but that is your way of me thinking you're a doctor, right? Yeah. And in, in this world, you can create that image of whoever you want to be, but you have to act the part. You act the part, eventually yeah. you become the part. It's so interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Literally, you know, like Russell Brunson says, like become the expert in your own field. You know, um, I remember reading one of his books, Russell Brunson books, and it was like a great quote. He was like, the lady comes up to him and was like, how am I supposed to charge people a lot of money? You know, I'm, I don't have any degree in what I do. And she's at his event and, and he's like what degree do you think that I have in marketing? She's like, I don't think to have something. He's like, I don't have anything. He's like, I, I dropped out of college. Like I don't have any degree at all. And you paid me $10,000 to listen to me today. You don't need to have some diploma. You just need to become an expert in the field, get results, and stay consistent, and you'll be set. Um, and that's the truth. Luckily, you know, I do have that degree. I do have that doctoral degree that does give me the, the medical credibility. And without that, I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, but when I, in the space that I'm in, that's really not what I'm utilizing. You know, I'm mm. I'm really a a very niche thing to be able to help people. It's not a traditional role of of a of a of a doctor of physical therapy. It's very different what I'm doing.
0: You know, yeah, it's like the doctor gets you into the into the room, yeah. gets you onto the ship, but doesn't make you friends, right? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make you clients, and and that's because there's so much people that are doctors, and there are things. It's just sure. it's interesting because. For example uh just recently i've been on this sauna hinge to the point where i think i'm very convinced that if i get a sauna in my place a big ass sauna in my apartment right now in miami and i go in that thing six days a week it's going to like detox my skin detox heavy metals so i'm i'm contemplating dropping like five grand on a fat sauna and guys the infrared guys yeah So, I've just been listening to every podcast, every YouTube video, everything out there about saunas. And I feel like I could go right now and sell saunas at this point. I feel like I know everything (laughs) there is about saunas. I could start a course about saunas. Like, yes,
1: man. Yeah, yeah. No, you're the expert then. You know, you have that value. And let's be honest if you started a page and started to share that information and got inside that niche, you could easily, you know, that could be your field. And that's, Every entrepreneur just has to become that expert, get inside that niche, find where he can provide the value, you know? And that's kind of, you know, I guess where big, it all starts.
0: Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense that you're mentioning the consistency. It seems like one of the biggest issues with all of that is two things. First of all, losing passion in what you're doing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's so easy, especially when you're young, right? Mm-hmm. It's if you're under 30 years old, you're constantly changing your ideas, right? You're constantly trying yeah. new things. And most people change their ideas before they even become super successful at it. I know for me, when I launched my podcasting course, I'm not going to lie. My podcasting course is unreal. It's, it's bomb. I'm not just being like, I put so much time and work into that thing. Everyone that's, that's taken it has says it's incredible. But yet I stopped putting YouTube content out and marketing it and pushing it out and doing those little things. Because quite frankly, I was just a little bit less motivated to do that than other things I got excited about. Now, yeah. I'll definitely be doing more of that in the future. But the point is, is that if you're consistent, if you actually pick that thing and you put enough content out, you will become the expert. Tanya Liza is really big in online courses. She's the one who I learned from. She was on the our most recent episode She's, you know, crushes it online, multimillionaire oh. smashes it. And she just yeah. does simple videos for six years about how to do A, how to do B once a week. Now she has a team yep. of seven or eight people, sell they sell like, you know. 40,000 in courses a week or a month. I don't even know how much they're doing. It's crazy. And uh, she's just working from her desktop. And that's so crazy, you know? It's crazy, but it should be exciting for the listeners. It should be exciting because whatever you're passionate about, if you're into curtains, you can make a whole channel on curtains and you can become (laughs) the curtain master, right? You could,
1: you could, you know? It's true. And, and like, also, if, if it's something you actually enjoy and are passionate about, you, you won't lose that passion for it as quick. You know, like I was only sharing content that I liked, like I liked making rotator cuff videos. I liked making how to return from an ACL injury, to get back to sprinting. That shit was exciting for me. So when I'd make that video content, it's not like I was like, Oh shoot, i got to make this other video. Like I was excited. I was like, Oh, let's go. Like, what am I putting together today? So it allowed for me to stay consistent because I actually enjoyed it. And that's something like, so I do, I do also have a business where I coach PTs and Kairos to get online. And that's what I tell them is like, find what you actually like to post and share because otherwise you're going to stop doing it. You're going to do it for a month. You're going to feel like it's a grind. You're not going to like it. And then you're going to eventually quit. And of course, then you lose. It's like, just find what you really like. If that's curtains, that's curtains, you know? Uh, but If it's not something you enjoy, forget it. Toss it out the window. Even if it makes you money, you're just going to stop doing it eventually.
0: Right. So true. Finding your niche, getting into it, building it. And your niche is physical therapy and helping people. What's one of the most insane stories that you have personally been able to work on that just is the most crazy transformation?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple recently that have been like pretty incredible. Uh, One that stands in my mind was like, so cool. Uh, a lady came to me and she had a torn ACL, torn meniscus. Um, she had a little bit of damage of her MCL too. So those they're like, what the heck is that? It's some serious damage to the knee. You know, those are major ligamentous structures that you need to be able to move around. Um, but she was stable where she could move and she didn't have bad pain, but every single orthopedic said, get the surgery, get the surgery, get the surgery. She didn't want to, she wanted to try the conservative route. So I said, all right, I basically said in the beginning, I said, this is a no promises treatment method. (laughs) This is me saying I'll give this a go with you and give you, give you a very best shot, but you have some dramatic structural damage in the knee that I don't know if I can fix long story short. It was probably six months of working together. Dude, she does like mountain climbing, goes to 5Ks, biking. Like she is a gnarly athlete, played in a basketball game the other day, like full five on five. And it was like amazing to watch her get to the point where she could do those things, brace free, no extra anything without a surgical procedure. And just goes to show you like, just, just because the doctor told you you have to do something does not mean you necessarily have to. It might be beneficial to get a second opinion from someone else because if she was in a surgery, she'd probably still be in a brace having issues, you
0: know? I don't know. The only thing I've heard about 20 ACLs is football players and friends. And I've never heard of somebody not getting surgery after, after right. an ACL tear. So she, she likely should have probably gotten surgery because that's the typical route, but then it's a year type of recovery and rebuild. So a lot of athletes could technically not do that. Like why don't more athletes go that route?
1: This is emerging research. Research right now is ACL tears are actually pretty effective with conservative non-surgical treatments. And the follow-up studies of two, three, five years later are showing that the results are better than the surgical procedures. And here's why. If you have a surgical procedure that goes smooth, everything is clean, You know everything goes great, the person goes through a good recovery, it's a healthy knee, they don't re-tear, that's the best option. That ligament there is made to stabilize your tibia, the shin bone, and make sure it's not sliding around. It's very important for cutting, all right? If you need to be able to run and cut, very important to have that ACL. So somebody who doesn't have it is going to be at risk for more injuries and is going to have a more unstable knee than somebody who does have it 100% of the time. But here's what they're finding with ACLs. The actual surgical procedure has so many complications, So many people have so much pain afterwards that they never get back full range of motion. They never get back the full quad to fire again. They're actually limited in their recovery to the point where they get back to like 60% of who they were post-surgery. Also, the re-tear rate is through the roof. The amount of people that re-tear their ACL after a surgery procedure, even with proper treatment, I wish I had a stat for it, but it's tremendous. It's like 50%. It's like a huge number of people that re their ACL. And then now you're doomed, right? Had your ACL done, full surgical procedure, blew that entire ACL out again and have to go back. Whew, I've had one or two of those, and they are extremely hard to get back to a high level of function. You know, tough. So that's the only reason why conservative care might be a good option for somebody. The key is this though, man you got to be able to move on it. If you're in excruciating pain, it's all swollen after the ACL. You can't move around. Two weeks goes by and you're still the same way. You're not going to be able to tolerate conservative rehab. you got to go to the surgical procedure. But if you're moving around and you're noticing, like, hmm, I can do some things on my knee here and I feel pretty good, try it out. At least give it a little bit of time to see if it's helpful for you. You know, it may be a great option.
0: That's interesting. What, uh, what are the research top of mind for you? Like, what do you find yourself like late night, just scrolling through and just being fascinated by these days in the world of PT? Yeah. You know, honestly where it
1: starts, it's always starting with something on socials where I'll see somebody share something, right? Like I'll be following a doctor and I'll post some study or post something. And I'll be like, is that true? You know, is that, is that, is that reality? Like this guy saying that disc, Disc, you know, fully blown herniated disc, multi-level doesn't need any surgical procedures. All right, let me click that. Let me read where he got this journal. What's this, what journal did it come from? Let me read the uh, comparative journals along with it. Uh, That's where I go. So my, my interest always gets piqued by something somebody posts. And then I say, "Hmm, let me measure this with my bullshit meter and look at the actual research behind it and see if this is true. Um, and so a lot of times I'm, I'm impressed, you know, a lot of times I'm impressed. Sometimes I'm like, this guy's full of garbage, but or lady, <laughs> uh, but sometimes I'm really impressed. It always starts with socials and, you know, then I'll go into the, into the actual journals of medicine and see what's going on there.
0: Got it. So you'll read the actual research papers and go through that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't even go through the whole research paper. I'll just read the abstract to get an idea of what the end result was. You know, the one advantage that I did get with having that doctoral degree is that in order to become a doctor, one of the major pieces of it is that you have to learn how to read research. Right. So that's pretty much the biggest difference between a master's degree and a doctoral degree is that you get a whole lot more on the research end of things, where you actually learn how to read research articles, you can write them yourselves, you have to actually publish in order to get it. Um, so that end of things, I can look at a journal and look at, look at, look at a piece of evidence that they wrote and be like, this has holes all over This is a horrible article because of the external bias or their subject group is too small or the methods that they use this poor. That's some nerdy stuff that only somebody like me is gonna know versus the average person who reads it and goes, no way, you can be fixed using leaf extracted from rose petals, you know? <laughs> so the average person doesn't have that background to be able to look at the research and say, is, is, is this real good research or not, you know, whereas I was lucky to get that.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that we have that community and that we have the ability to connect with all these amazing people. When I had my um, eye issue, so like essentially when I had the LASIK eye surgery, because of my gut, my corneal nerves never re-healed and that created neuropathic pain behind my eyes. I didn't know any of this at the time, and then when see I saw a bunch of different doctors. No one, they just said I had dry eye because they just didn't know. Right? Yeah. This one, this one doctor told me with the most certainty ever that I had cataracts. And I remember, I remember leaving that being so pumped. I was like, "Let's, let's LFG, baby, let's go!" Yeah, yeah. Like catar- basically, you know, cat- A lot of people get cataract surgery when they're older and they replace and, and replace. But I'm like, 28 years old, I have two cataracts. I remember him being so confident too. You got cataracts. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Turns out I end up finding these amazing doctors at Tufts Medical Center in Boston. And uh, Dr. Helen Wu, shout out, she's an angel. Anybody that has true, real eye issues, Dr. Helen Wu and Dr. Hamra are the best in the best of the best. And, and they have this machine called a confocal. And a confocal, there's only about, And I don't know if this has changed, but since I talked to him, there's only about like 10 in the U.S., and a confocal does is what it, they put gel on your eyeball, sort of like if you're going to have like look at a baby's belly to be able to see in it. And then they take this microscope and it's like two people and they put the microscope right on your eyeball, but with the gel on the eye socket. So it's kind of gnarly. I, I would say it's a little bit almost more extreme than actually getting LASIK. And then wow. over the next like minute and a half, two minutes, This machine's going, and they're like adjusting it. And what they're doing is they're taking pictures in the back of your eye and you're sitting there just with your eye open like, don't close, don't close your eye, bro. You know, and, uh, what's amazing is that they can take pictures of the nerves. And then once they saw the pictures of the nerve, she was able to literally tell me the exact glare I was seeing as well as the inflammation she was seeing in my eye. Uh, which was incredible. And because I had an answer, it made my life way better. I still had the problem, but I had an answer. And knowing is power in this world. If you don't know the issue, it's scary. That's the root of anxiety. If you don't know you're ever going to get better, it's scary. But if you're on a plan, it's amazing. And for me, they put me on, you know, eight uh, freaking a year and a half of serum tears or eight times a day. I was putting my Uh, They take tears and they put your blood in the tears and they create this serum tear. So it's like basically kind of like stem cells and you put them into your eyeballs as well as um, sort of like, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was basically an antibiotic for my eye to decrease inflammation. I did that 12 drops a day and now I'm out here, you know, they're not, they ain't perfect, but I'm looking outside. I don't have insane, you know, glares anymore as bad as I did. I don't have insane eye pain and my neuropathic dude, that's pain crazy. is gone. It's
1: gone. That's that is a crazy story. I've never heard you tell that before. What? Yeah. Dang. That you were using this medium gel on your eyes and microscoping the back of the, the nerve ending, the ocular nerve ending that came into your That's insane, dude. I didn't even know you could do that.
0: Me neither. And that's most people wild. And most people don't, and that's the big thing to understand. A lot of popular medicine, you think it's popular, but most right, right. doctors are 10, 15 years behind medical studies oh, yeah. and stuff like oh, that because yeah. of the system. It's hard to improve very quickly. You know what I mean? Yep,
1: yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, definitely, man. It, and again, that, that all goes back to that system, man. It's really not the doctor's fault, man. It, it, it's not like the doctor that's prescribing you know, cholesterol medication to the heart disease patient. Is a bad doctor. You know, it's not like he's a bad guy. He just spent his whole life thinking that that was the right route to go on and never looked at any of the new research, never realized that there's not that huge link between, you know, cholesterol and heart disease that, that's been going on for the last 10 years of research. You know, he didn't look at it and doesn't have the time. It's, it's tough, man. It's a system that they're put in that limits the practitioner most PTs are good. Most chiropractors are good. Most doctors are good. They're just in a bad system. Myself included. I was a bad PT when I was in that system. I couldn't be a good one. I would treat too many people in a day. I couldn't, I had no connection. You'd walk into the clinic. I wouldn't even know your name. Be like, damn, he's got a knee brace on. i got probably treating him for his knee. Go ahead, hop on the bike. <laughs> Cause I didn't know. I didn't know, you know?
0: And you don't know what you don't know, but you're trying. And that's the other thing that's difficult is giving people a chance. You want to give someone a chance, but if they aren't, if they haven't been around the block enough and seen enough, I don't know if you should give them a chance. Like the reality is, is you have to be really careful about who you let work on you. (laughs) That is another huge thing. People kind of assume like, oh, he's a doctor. He knows what he's
1: doing. You know, not true. Not always true. There are people that I graduated with and I'm like, oh my, They are out there providing medical care to people like, oh, that's not good. You know, a lot of these like take your time picking your healthcare practitioners and choose wisely. Make sure that they're giving you the time of day and they can share and give value to you. And don't take everything they say to the bank. Go figure it out for yourself. Get a second opinion. Look it up. Ask for them to give you some information to take home. Look for those things, you know.
0: Yeah, a uh, second, third, or fourth opinion, because- Yeah, when, yeah, good point. <laughs> good whenever point. I whenever I jump on like just a, like an average hospital call to make an appointment, I assume it's gonna be four or five calls before I get an appointment. And that's just based on the current yeah. system. You call, they're not there, or you call and they're, they're gonna get back to you, and then you finally get the appointment, but then you gotta send over yeah. something, and then you gotta <laughs> confirm it, and then you gotta get the directions, then you gotta sign the online waiver, and that's even like yeah. online. You're like five or six steps, you finally got the appointment. But it's yes. like the same idea with physical therapy. If you if you yep. need to find a good physical therapist, the doctor is going to recommend you to a physical therapist. You might get lucky. You might just find a really, really great knowing person, but you might not too. So right. after you go through that experience, take it for a grain of salt, learn some stuff, but don't use it as the end all be all. Get other opinions, find other doctors. I would have never found you if it wasn't for it. I remember yeah. before this, I was working with some guy that I just, yeah, he, he wrote some great copyright language online. And I was just at a time of weakness. And when you're in pain, you just want to just get out of pain. So you yeah. tend, you're very easy to like be a sucker, right? Like I'm very easily mm-hmm. sold when I'm in pain. You know what I mean? Of course. You, you, you tell me I'm out of pain. Out. I'm like, I'm done. Let's go. Let's see your six yeah. grand, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seriously.
0: So there's this one guy I was working with. I think he was, you know, he's a great, he was a nice guy. He he meant well, yada, yada. Um, he was, he had me doing things like cuffing and things like that. And um, it was interesting. I'm not, I'm not saying whatever it did. Eventually I had a tumor the whole time. So it didn't even matter what he was doing. He just didn't right. know. That sucks. But then I stopped hearing from him. And then long, long-term when I did that post about my back and went, you know, Anytime you do a hospital post, it goes viral on Facebook because everyone, everyone loves those stories.
1: Oh my God, yeah.
0: And I posted it in all these random groups. And then he hits me up like, dude, oh my God, I saw your post in one of these groups. How are you doing, man? I'm like, bro, you should have been catching up on me, man. Yeah. But yeah, no, I wasn't seriously. bitter. I was just like, yeah, I'm doing good. It turns out I had a tumor. He goes, holy shit, you know? Yeah. So I think the big thing about what you're doing is not only are you helping people get fit, fitter, better, working on it step by step, But you also do a great job at being very comprehensive, asking questions about their past and their history and all these little things like, have you gotten in a car accident when you were younger? There is a chance that that little car accident, even though you never felt pain, you're feeling it 12 years later. It's so interesting.
1: Yeah, no, the the, the body has memory, you know, and it holds on to things. And the habits that you create over many, 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 many years is usually what's the dysfunction in the body. Of course, there are traumatic incidents. You fell, you slipped down the stairs, you blew out your knee. Okay, yeah. Got, I get that, right? And we got to treat that. But there's also things where things come up over many years and finally show their ugly face, you know? And, and you need to really dig in. I think that's the biggest red flag. I'll call it a yellow flag. Not a red flag. i call it a yellow flag about a healthcare practitioner is if they're not taking genuine one-on-one time to talk to you, you to get out of that office. If you walk into a chiropractor's office, you walk into a physical therapist's office and in five minutes they're treating you for something, uh-uh. they don't know anything about you. They didn't do an evaluation. They didn't do any imaging. They didn't even, they didn't even assess you. And now they're giving you some form of a treatment right away. What? That's, that's, a, that's, that, that's a yellowish red flag to me that, you know, this person actually is just looking to get you in and get you out. They're not actually looking to treat you for your root cause you should be spending several minutes going over where this is coming from, what, the, what is the actual benefit behind this treatment that they're giving you. They should be explaining all of this to you before they're actually giving you anything. Um, that, I think that's the biggest thing to make sure of when you go see a healthcare
0: practitioner. So as we as we head up and, and we sort of sort of wrap up here, I'm curious, what, what are some things that you recommend everyone should be doing? If they want to maintain a long-term healthy body, like on a daily, everyday type of thing, whether it's walking, working out, like what are some habits that you recommend people be doing that you have seen will, will help solve some of these issues? Amazing question, man. So obviously
1: there are so many things that people can grab onto from nutrition, uh, from a, from a biohacking standpoint, but I'm a specialist in movement. And so that's the advice that I'll give you because there's always going to be great advice out there to find, but I'll give you what I'm the expert in, which is movement. I treat people for the movement system. The way that the body moves, I help retrain and rebuilds to get moving correct again. So my number one recommendation is for somebody to have a daily movement routine, it has to be something that is designed for your needs. If I think about the average individual, if that person who's listening right now doesn't have time to get an assessment, doesn't have time to reach out, and wants to start today doing something, the human body is extremely anterior, meaning everything is in front of us. Our phones are in front of us, our steering, steering wheels in front of us, our computers are in front of us, almost everything rolls anterior. Opening your body up, stretching everything anterior, getting the spine into an extended upright posture, opening up your hip flexors, your chest, the anterior portions of your neck is arguably the most important thing to make sure that this movement system continues to be able to operate. Anytime somebody is in this forward rounded anterior position, you're going to lack mobility. You're going to lack fluid inside your joints. You're going to have a higher risk of injury. Open the body up with daily mobility, daily movement. It doesn't need to be anything crazy. It can start off with two or three movements in the morning just to open your body up, gently opening up the chest, get laying on your belly, doing a prone press-up, getting the spine into extension. Awesome. If that's something that you can genuinely fit in as a habit regularly, then that's where you should start. Uh, so I think my biggest key advice to anybody is Get out of this anterior, forward, shrunken up posture and positioning. Open your body up. And the second thing I'll say is awareness. Get aware. Get aware of what's going on in your specific body. Pay attention, man. Listen, the body's speaking to you. Listen to it. When something's bothering you and it's not just a quick thing, listen into what that is and find somebody who can help.
0: I love it. And if you could go back in time and, and before you went into this journey of online sales and online marketing and building a social media presence and training people online, maybe back towards when you're just in that hustle at the PT clinic, going back and forth, and you could have told yourself, you know, one, two or three things that would have just saved you a ton of time, research, money. And obviously the best answer is I wouldn't have said anything because it made me who I am today. And taking that, taking that apart. What were some of those things that you would have told yourself?
1: You know, I First off, it's such an amazing question, right? Like, what is it that you would adjust and change to make sure that you find the most efficient path possible? Here's what I'll say. Go with what feels right for you. There was a long time where I was resistant to go fully online because in the back of my head, I'm thinking people are going to judge me because I'm not a true doctor then. What, what are my colleagues going to think because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be practicing traditional medicine now? I have to keep. I have to hold on to this cash-based thing that I'm doing because you know then I'm at least putting my hands on a patient, and that's 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 what a, a physical therapist is. And I need to hold on to that identity. The whole time I knew damn well inside who I was. That was not what I wanted to do. It's not what I love to do. And finding this virtual aspect allowed for me to help so many more people. It was the right route for me. So if I could give. Listen to that little voice inside your head, whatever that gut that pulls you to, Ben, go and do that, man. And I think that's probably the right thing for everybody, even if it means colleagues or friends are going to look at you different. It's always the closest person to you that judges you, you know.
0: There it is, Ben Torres. He's the man, the myth, the legend. How can people find you on Instagram? How can people reach out if they got some yes. issues and they're trying to work out from the comfort of their home?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the best place to reach me is going to be, uh, via my Instagram, Benjamin Torres, DPT, doctor of physical therapy, just like that. Um, you, you can reach me at any point in time. I'm really good at getting back to people. Even if it's not about your injury, you just want to say what's up. You want to say, listen to that podcast. You know, I love that the day podcast is the way to go. And I, I loved hearing from you dude. reach out. I would be happy to respond and answer back to you guys. So that's the best place to find me any time of day.
0: Love it, we appreciate you. Looking forward to uh, our next meeting on Wednesday, give you the yeah. update, and get, get, get the new plan up in motion. And I'm excited. Uh, I think the next step is, I'm finally gonna be back to you know barbell squats, who knows? That's the
1: final round, we gotta introduce the barbell. We'll see how it goes, I think, it's gonna, I think you're gonna crush it like you've done everything else thus
0: far, man. All right, appreciate your time, appreciate you being on the show, till next time. Thanks,
1: man. I appreciate it as well.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.